今、次の放送は3時夜、晩のための晩補充、ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストです。この番組は、ランドスパンダ、ジャニクスの台風の敵を日程送ります。電流火花が体を走る自動チェンジ機械だ学のボルト迎えるて人造人間機械だ
And hopefully, if you're a fan of this kind of stuff, if you like Toku or Sentai, you'll be interested in the ongoing conversation we're having regarding this series. But if you're not a fan, you know, hopefully maybe, I think, in my case, I think I would say that maybe I'm more the senior Kakaida fan, I guess, than Justin is. I think I kind of turned Justin on to Kakaida, whereas Justin may be the more senior Sentai fan when we start doing Sentai Saturdays. So I think the idea is also that we, we hope that we can share our passions for these regular shows and series, uh, not only with each other, but with those of you listening as well. So the first episode of Kakaida, I guess the, the long-winded, gigantic <laughs> Japanese-translated name, according to Wikipedia, is The Terrifying Gray Rhino King is a Messenger of Hell. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Japanese title. Now, I'm actually looking at my DVD box here, and you can actually get these on DVD legally and licensed, and I guess this this show, this tokusatsu show, was really, really huge, not only in Japan, but also in Hawaii. Yeah. So I guess when kids were growing up in the 70s in Hawaii, this would be on one of the network stations. And even on these DVDs, some of the special features, I guess, is that you can see some of the Hawaiian bumpers for when they started re-airing this, I guess, like in the in the 2000s or whatever. And eventually that same Hawaiian company, I guess, released this on DVD. So you can go to the website. It's like Generation Kakaida, and that's not with the hard R. And you can, you know, pick up the various sets. That, you know, obviously there's the, the original live-action Kakaida series, and then there's the Kakaida Zero One series. And then they've got, like, Kamen Rider and a couple other different series that I guess must have aired in Japan that they you know, have made arrangements to, to release this stuff. But I guess just getting back on topic, the description of the first episode says, Kikaida battles Gray Rhino King, and when he returns to the lab where Dr. Komoji and Mitsuko work, Professor Gill sets it ablaze. So that's, that's the basic, you know, synopsis or description of this first episode. So, you know, actually the, you know, the less long-winded title is Gray Rhino King, Harbinger of Evil, sort of less of a mouthful <laughs> than Terrifying Gray Rhino King is a Messenger of Hell, you know, like, it's, a, it's a lot less of a mouthful. And, you know, basically, I, I mean, my, my kind of take on this show is it gets you into the action right away. I mean, there's no... You don't have to wait for, like, the last ten minutes for the hero to, like, transform at last. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 basically, you know, you you kind of are introduced to the villains first, almost. I mean, the the first shot you see is you know some Japanese trucker salary guy driving along, and the gray rhino king, you know, I guess shows up in the middle of the road and knocks his truck off the cliff, and you know is cackling horrendously and evilly and, and doing all kinds of, you know, nasty stuff, I guess, to keep him away from the secret base or something. And the Grey Rhino King works for a secret dark organization. Interestingly enough, they're called Dark. And they basically are all androids. So I guess that they have that in common. And the idea is, you know, they, they have all these dark destructoids, which are these, you know, villainous androids. And I, I mean, I guess the idea is that the, the gray rhino king is, is basically they're trying to attack this dam 
Do you remember why they're trying to like attack the dam? I don't even know if I remember. No, like I, I, you know, I've seen this first episode several times, and I actually sat down and rewatched it today, and I was making a bunch of notes, and I was like, wait a minute, why was he attacking the dam? Like, I guess he needed electricity or or, or something. I don't know, but like, well, the, the only thing I remember from like that opening sequence of like the truck driver and you know the workers at the dam is like. The gray rhino king gets mad, and he, like, rams this worker, and the guy, like, flies into a wall and explodes, and you're like, what? Yeah, Wait, yeah, what? I mean... Where did that guy, like... I mean, it's obviously, like, a, some kind of, like, stone figure. Yeah, like, some stone dummy like, or something. This guy but... just, like, exploded. What? Well, I, re- I remember kind of watching this, because I guess, I guess my basis, or, or my basis of comparison for most of these things is always going to be... American Power Rangers, I guess. And, I, I mean, although, you know, parents are all vocal about how violent it is, I mean, in comparison to some of these early shows from the 70s, and especially the Japanese versions, like, even, you know, when people talk about, like, Go Lion versus Voltron and stuff, you know, there's the difference of, oh, well, Sven dies, you know? Like, it's not just like, oh, he got a bump on the head, and we don't see him for 15 episodes, and then, you know what I mean? And then, instead of his twin brother coming back, it's like, the bump on his head got better, you know? <laughs> but he's a little screwy because of the bump, you know? He's a little weird because of the bump. You know, and, and, and in this way, like, I kind of think of the same thing, where you're saying, you see the guy, and you're like, whoa, that dude, like, smashed into a million pieces. And I think they actually say, like, you know, in, in at least in the translated dialogue, certain things of yes, if anybody gets in your way, like kill them, kill them dead, deader than dead, deady dead. Whereas you know, growing up, you know, even if you're in the 80s or the 90s, you know, especially in the 90s where everything was like censored all to hell, it would have always been, you know, oh, um, you know, totally destroy that guy's essence in the netherworld of the home for infinite losers or whatever, you know, and you just, you know, kind of sugarcoating the whole situation. So it is definitely, you know, in terms of the, the material, you know, there are certain elements of it that are fairly heavy. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly why they were attacking the dam. I know that the shot where they pan up to Jiro, who is our hero, Kakaida, that's, Jiro is, is his, I guess, human name and his human mode or form, but, you know, something that Jiro seems to be fond of doing, and this is, you know, this is just a trope of the genre you're going to have to get used to that I think is badass, but some people will be like, oh, yeah, 40,000 people died while he was playing his guitar, <laughs> but you're just, you're going to have to get used to this. Dude is up there on the top of the dam, high as can be, and so while they're in the middle of torturing this poor guy, you know, I guess turning his hand into, I don't know, stone or whatever the Grey Rhino King's doing, you know, just, uh, you hear this guitar music in the background and of course all the dark destructoid foot soldiers and the great Rhino king is kind of like what is that what is that noise what's what is this what is going on and they do this you know quick 70s pan this speed pan all the way up to the top of the dam and you see of course it's jiro in his blue 70s jumpsuit playing his red bright cherry red guitar and so he's there to to totally you know kick ass and you know defend these people from the destructoids and the gray rhino king. So I was telling Justin that I wrote a bunch of these little factoids that are on the DVDs, and and Justin may find this interesting, and he may know more about it than I do because I've never really seen too much of Common Rider other than what 
Justin has exposed me to. But apparently, one of the creative producers chose this dam, which is the Oko... Let me see if I'm... See, I, I think I'm butchering all these names, but Oko Uchi probably is how you say it. So the Oko Uchi Dam in Okutama is is where that dam is located. And apparently, that's the same dam that they used in the first episode of the original Common Rider series. Did the dam look familiar to you? Have you seen the original Common Rider series, Justin? I've only seen a few episodes, but uh, I don't know. It, it's like we were talking earlier. There's a se- there's a scene in Kakaider where, like, you know, Kakaider has he's like on this extension bridge or whatever, and it's like you kind of see something like that, and like it seems like every season of like a Sentai series or Common Rider. So I was like, is this the same bridge? Is this like the Vasquez Rocks of Japan? It's like. You always kind of see this kind of bridge, but I don't know. It, it seems like it's. I would I would say it's like one of those tropes. It's like we got to have a scene on an extension bridge. We got to have like a scene at a dam. Like I re, I was rewatching. It. It's called like Birth of the Tenth Common Rider Z Cross, and there's a big, you know, the big final battle scene is at a dam. It's like all all the first ten Common Riders have to team up, and they have to you know fight against their resurrected, you know, enemies and everything, and I was like, that must be some kind of trope, it's like, you gotta fight it in the, you know, on a bridge that usually explodes, or you gotta fight on top of a dam, or on some kind of waterfall or something, but I, it didn't look familiar to me, but, you know, I, I could be telling I think I think it's mostly because it just, it looks freaking cool, you know, yeah. like where they do the speed ban up to Jiro, and, and then and then Jiro actually, like, it, it's this funny matted I, I don't want to say it's a green screen shot, but it's probably like early matte type blue screen shenanigans, but on, on the very cheap where he actually jumps off the dam and sort of flies right into the gray rhino king and all his little flunkies and everything. So, you know, obviously this is made in 1972. So it, it doesn't have, you know, to me, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be negative about the show because I love it. I mean, I think it's pretty awesome. But I, I find all that stuff charming. But if you're not like me where, you know, you, you think it's just a bunch of Japanese assholes in cheap suits and, and you know, styrofoam, goofy-ass costumes. I mean, if you're the type of guy when, when he fights the big black bison horse or whatever, if you're the type of guy that goes, look, his eyeballs are in his neck, and you can't, like, just look at the horse head and be like, you know, sort of suspend your disbelief, well, then maybe the show, you know, the way it's presented in the tokusatsu version is not for you. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I I do like it. I mean, you just kind of have to sit there and go, okay, all these guys are androids. It doesn't matter that, you know, Kakaida obviously is just a guy wearing clothing. You know, you kind of just say, oh, that's his, that's his android body. Yep. You know, like you just kind of go along it's, with the, the ride or whatever. It's like when you get into, like, this genre of, like, TV shows and films or whatever. It's like, you will believe a cardboard city will explode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, you, you have to sort of be in that mindset. You know, you can't. Well, I mean, you, you don't have to, but but then the, you 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 must. I guess you would be enjoying it on a completely other level. You know what I mean? Like you're you're not taking it seriously. You're just kind of you know yucking it up and and enjoying yourself maybe that way. I guess you know after they have this initial skirmish, which is what we were talking about. That's so interesting. Is you know you're introduced to the villains. Kakaider shows up right away to to fight the bad guys, and so you don't have a whole lot of plot. 
but Kakaida ends up getting on his trademark yellow motorcycle with the little shotgun seat, and the motorcycle sort of like flies off into the distance, and the Grey Rana King's like, I can run 900 miles an hour, like I'm going to keep up with you, but Kakaida ends up losing him, and the rhino's kind of like, whoa, huh, this is odd. This is like right where our secret dark base is, and we lost him, you know? And so that's kind of giving you some hints as to where Jiro or Kakaida has gone. But this is the first time we're introduced to Dr. Komoji, and that character is Kakaida's creator. So he's the scientist that created Kakaida. He also happens to be the scientist who's working for the big bad of the series, named Professor Gill. And Professor Gill is kind of like, it's weird because I I was trying to think about how to, he just seems like he's clearly played by a Japanese actor, but he seems like one of these kind of like black magicians or something, even though he's like, I guess, this evil overlord of this dark android empire, like because he's kind of got this, you know, he's obviously played by an older fellow, and then he's kind of got like this fritzy beard, like almost like, like, you know, Something like like if Christopher Lee was Japanese or something and he was, you know, in Lord of the Rings or something like that. That's kind of how I see Professor Gill. I think in the anime he was actually, I want to say he was German in the manga and anime because there's a scene where they kind of show how Gill recruits Komoji early on after his, his, uh, I guess, his real life son dies or whatever. Yeah. And the, the the letter, I guess, that his son supposedly wrote to him, you know, like with his dying wishes, is in German. And so I'm assuming that, and, and they also, in the anime, they describe Gil as a foreigner. Like, he's a dirty foreigner <laughs> who is, like, you know, running this evil organization and all these evil androids and everything. And so to me, I, I think his, you know, there was the German language, and I think I think in the anime they say something like his name is Gil, like something with an H, like, you know, so I was like, oh, that, that kind of sounds German, like Helbert or Helberter or something, you know, something German sounding. So I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if he, you know, I, I don't know if that was the intent or not, but obviously in the tokusatsu he's clearly played by a Japanese guy. So, you know, there's no, you know, kind of insinuation that he's uh, a foreign bad guy. He's just, you know, a crazy looking wizard looking dude that, you know, basically he he'll he'll end up, you know, becoming basically the big, you know, bad. You know, he's kind of the shredder or the, you know, I don't know, uh, Rita Repulsa or Lord (laughs) Zed or whatever of this series. And then we're also introduced to. Mitsuko, who's played by, uh, well, I guess I haven't said who, who everybody's played by. Uh, Daisuke Ban is Jiro, so he plays, you know, the main hero who transforms into Kakaida. But I guess there's, like, all these guys that do stunt work and stuff. And um, so, like, da- you know. Daisuke also played another hero in Azuman, and he also played the second Battle Cossack on Battle Fever J. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, so then, then, I mean, obviously he went on to work on a lot of stuff. What, what's interesting is I was looking at, like, certain IMDb pages, you know, before we did the show and everything, and it's like some guys, like Dr. Komoji, he's played by Hajime Izu, or, or like you were saying, Daisuke Ban, like, he, they, they went on to be in other, you know, whether it's more of the same genre or just other 
Japanese films and television or what have you. But then what, what I found was interesting is Mitsuko, who is Dr. Komoji's daughter, and uh, ostensibly, I guess, Jiro's love interest, even though I guess they, it's weird, they play with the idea that, that there's, you know, some kind of, you know, romantic interest, but then they also kind of play with the idea that, that Kikaida is like an extension of, of Dr. Komoji, like, like it's another son too. So that those are some weird kind of, you know, what, what's that show that you watched? The um, little, little sister show? My little sister can't be this cute. Right, right. So I, I was starting to think like, well, are they supposed to be like brother and sister or are they supposed to be like boyfriend and girlfriend? Like, cause she, she, like, like there, I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there's, there's later episodes where you can see Mitsuko and, and she obviously cares a lot about Jiro, you know, probably cause her father created him and, and there's that familial connection and everything. But then also there's, there's instances where there are other attractive young ladies that come into Jiro's life that she is aware of where you're like, Hey, she's, and you're like, she's, she's jealous, you know, like she, she kind of, you know, doesn't like that, that, you know, this other girl, you know, she's kind of like, Oh, this other girl's so pretty. And, you know, basically, you know, fishing for compliments like girls will do, I guess, you know, like kind of like, Oh, well, she's so pretty, you know, it's kind of like, I guess you're supposed to say, well, not as pretty as you, you know, like that kind of thing. But yeah, so you get introduced to the father and, and his daughter and and then you learn because at, at this point you don't really know, but you know at this point it's kind of like you know he's talking to Professor Gill and, and Professor Gill's kind of like some android just attacked the Great Rhino King and we're on the lookout for him and all this other stuff and Doctor Komoji's kind of like yes yes okay well that's very interesting like if I ever you know if you find the android I really like to examine him because that sounds really interesting and then. Mitsuko's kind of like, you know, well, father, isn't that? And he's kind of like, shut up, woman. You know, sh- don't don't spoil it, you know. And so they go downstairs to the basement where I guess there's no surveillance or what have you. And, you know, Jiro's like covered up, you know, under a white sheet or what have you. And so it's like he, you know, obviously Dr. Komoji created Jiro to combat all the evil of Dark because you're, you're getting the idea he was forced to make all these other destructoid robots against his will. But I guess what I was going to say before about the IMDb stuff was that Mitsuko, I guess she's played by June uh, Mizune or uh, Mizunoe. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but she only has three credits on IMDb. So that could just be that IMDb sucks for, for Japanese actors and actresses, or, or maybe, you know, maybe she didn't really do much after Kikaida because it's, it's like Kakaida, the Kakaida 3D movie. And then the only other thing that they say she's been in is Common Rider X Five Riders versus King Dark. Hmm. So I, I, I and I've seen that, but I don't remember her. That. Yeah, I mean, she she may have been much older by that point. I mean, I don't I don't know when that came out, but if this was in '72, you know, whenever that came out, she'd be that much older. But that that's the only other credit she has. And so they they basically introduced this concept of the idea that Jiro and and thus you know Kakaida has a conscience circuit. So as opposed to all the other androids that he's created for Dark and for Professor Gill, you know they obviously just you know you know they they're to the line. They follow orders. You know if the orders are to you know step on a flower, they'll do it. If the order is to you know, throw a little girl into a pond like Frankenstein, they'll do it. You know, it's uh, whatever the order is, 
and stands, you know, they're going to take it. But Jiro, obviously, you know, he's been created and he's got this conscience circuit. Now, they, they set up the idea in the tokusatsu that this circuit is incomplete and Mitsuka and uh, Dr. Komoji are going to try to complete it here now, you know, make him, I guess, perfect or something. And then all of a sudden, Gil basically is on to them. Like, he, he was playing along, but he sends all his robots down, and there's a big lab fire, and the circuit is obviously not completed, and, you know, Jiro and Mitsuko get separated from Dr. Komoji. And at this point, they introduce the idea that Professor Gill can use his flute to not only annoy television viewers everywhere, but also, you know, I guess, unmelodically, you know, sort of tempt Jiro to turn to evil or turn, you know, I, I guess his, his tagline is, you know, everything that comes of dark, you know, must return to dark. And so it, it basically, it's kind of like, you know, not to tantamount it to Scooby-Doo, but, you know, if it wasn't for that pesky conscience circuit, you know, Kakaida would already be working for Dark and, you know, blowing up dams alongside the Grey Rhino King or what have you. But because he's got this this conscience circuit, which is interesting because in, in the manga, I don't know how much of it you read, but um, the manga is up on Comixology right now, so it's, it's easy to get access to, which is, you know, kind of rare, I guess, for me, because, you know, I didn't have access to it before that. And so in the manga version... They really play up the analogies, because in the original manga, I guess they try to play up the Frankenstein analogy, because it's, you know, a bunch of mad scientists creating life in the middle of thunderstorms, and these big kind of Frankenstein-esque gurneys, you know, that are lifting people up in the air, and all that kind of stuff. And then the, the other big analogy they try to make, uh, or, or maybe, you know, inspiration, or what have you, is Pinocchio. You know, that, that, you know, he's this android, kind of like Data, that wants to become a real boy. And in the, in the manga, it's directly translated. The conscience circuit is called the Jiminy circuit. Like Jiminy Cricket. But what's funny is in the anime, I don't know if it's like legal reasons or they were afraid of Disney or what, but in the anime, it's called the Gemini circuit, which I found kind of funny. I thought that was really interesting. I also thought it was really interesting, like one of the differences from like the the manga to the anime in at least this episode of the live action is they kind of play up the fact that, you know, Kikaider is incomplete. It's not just like his circuits, it's like his appearance. They, I think they even say it's like he's fighting and it's like, you know, one half of his body is fighting against the other half and that's kind of like why he looks so unique, and, you know, it's like he has – Kikaider has like a really unique look. I think that's why I kind of gravitated to him because he's got like – you know, he's like half blue, half red, and he's got like this, you know, part of his head is like see-through circuits, and it like it extends higher than the other half of his head, so it's like kind of asymmetrical looking, and I always thought that was a really neat look, especially for like any kind of like cyborg character from the 70s and like – I guess that's another trope in itself. It's like, you know, in the 70s, you had all these, like, cyborg heroes, like, of the ten first common riders. Nine of them were cyborgs. It's like, you know, common rider Amazon, he was like the Japanese Tarzan. Like, he, he wasn't a cyborg at all. And then, like, 
Jack. Like they, they were all like enhanced, you know, humanoid cyborgs. So it's like there was like a whole explosion of cyborgs in Japan there in the seventies for some reason. Yeah, it seems like that concept, the the idea of artificial life and and what it means to be human and the whole sort of Pinocchio aspect of it is heavily played up in the manga and anime. I mean, every every chance they get, they they sort of want to remind you of the. I guess the pathos of it all, I think, you know, when, when he's fighting, say, for example, Grey Rhino King or any of these other future Destructoids, they, they make a big point in the manga and, and the anime of saying, oh, you know, you're murdering your own brothers, you know, kind of thing. Like very, you know, much playing up the idea that, that they're personifying all these characters, whereas, you know, in some cases... You know, a lot of the other characters might just think he's, you know, a robot. You know, they wouldn't make any kind of familial connection between, you know, androids that Komoji created other than him, you know. And and then they're also, you know, they're also all trying to kill him. So, you know, it's not like you feel bad when he, you know, he ends up taking him out or, or whatever. I think in the, in terms of the tokusatsu, I guess... The, the conscience circuit does become one of the only consistent points of drama and turmoil in the series. You know, it, it's, it, it seemed like to me, like at least the vibe I, I got from the tokusatsu was, you know, every five minutes, you know, Mitsuko's kind of like, well, let me complete the conscience circuit. And Jiro's always like, no, no, you know, I, I, I don't want you to look at me. You know, and so there's, there's that weird aspect of, you know, of self-loathing, I guess. You know, the idea that you're saying he's an incomplete creation, but also the fact that, you know, maybe his, his robotic form is somehow monstrous and not as, as you know, attractive as his human mode, as his Jiro mode. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I think that's the, the Frankenstein aspect of it all. You know, the kind of like, oh, you know, don't, don't look at me because I, I got these stitches on my head and, and, and all this other stuff, you know, like don't, I got these bolts in my neck and I'm, I'm not pretty. So it's like, I don't want you to see me looking all, you know, I guess if Frankenstein had like a really happening Brad Pitt mode and then he turned into Frankenstein, like that's kind of what, what goes down with Kaida. And it's like, well, to unleash his, his full, you know, Android slaying potential, he's got to look like Frankenstein. But you know, in the meantime, he's kind of like, well, no, I just want you to look at me like I'm, I'm Brad Pitt with a red guitar and everything's cool. So that's that. That's kind of my, my take on the pathos of the the whole series. You know, it's got that. You know, I guess that, that aspect of alienation that you know, even comic books. You know, like whether it's you know the Thing or X Men or whatever. You know, that that kind of pathos they try to feed off of, you know, where people, you know, whether it's, it's to connect with maybe, you know, adolescents and teenagers, you know, the idea that you're going through all these changes and you feel, you know, you, you don't feel, you know, you, you, you feel kind of like Kaido where you're like, Oh, I'm a monster. You know, don't look at me. I got pimples, or, you know, <laughs> whatever it is that that's going on with you at the moment in time, you know, where you're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going through my changes or, you know, whatever it is, you know, that that's kind of, you know, kind of making you feel unsecure in your in yourself in your person. I guess the, the what what's also interesting is when when Gil's flute you know turns Jiro evil, or or at least it, that's the attempt anyway. You know, a lot of times in the Tokusatsu, you know, it, it becomes this thing of it. 
it's more like an annoyance than anything else. You know, Gil will play the flute, and, you know, you'll hear the kind of, you know, and, and after hearing that for like 10 minutes straight, you know, you kind of want to shoot yourself in the head sometimes. <laughs> So you kind of feel you kind of feel Kikaider's plight, you know, or Jiro's plight. You're like, oh fuck, man, somebody, somebody, take out this Gil guy and his stupid ass flute. Like, not only is it turning Jiro possibly evil, but it's annoying the fuck out of me, you know. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, you, I guess, have a, a, a plot device that kind of prevents Jiro from becoming Kikaida. Like, that's basically the purpose it serves in the tokusatsu, you know, like anytime, you know, I guess if the idea is, you know, if you're Superman or, you know, basically you, you, you get your ultimate mode and that'll solve all your problems. The idea is they want to, you know, keep him away as far as possible from, from doing that immediately. So, you know, in the same way, like Ultraman can only like hang out for like 60 seconds or whatever it is, you know, it's like he's got his, his foibles, which is, you know, the magic flute from Professor Gill. I think in the the manga and the anime, it's a little more heavy, you know, where where basically any time that flute plays, invariably he ends up, like, choking the shit out of Mitsuko, you know, like, trying to murder her and stuff like that. So, obviously, you know, they don't... I mean, I don't know. We we haven't actually watched the whole series from beginning to end, so who knows? Maybe one of these episodes he may try to choke the shit out of her (laughs) one episode, and then we just haven't gotten to it yet. But, I mean, to this point... You know, there hasn't been any indication that that he is going to turn violent enough to murder anybody. It's more like, you know, it, it, it almost just sort of, it, like I, I'm saying, it's more of an annoyance. Like, it's like it's preventing him from changing into Kakaida. And usually there's some, you know, funny reason why, you know, the flute doesn't work after a period of time. You know, it's like, oh, I went through this subway tunnel and the flute doesn't make any noise in here so now i can change and then it'll cut to like a completely different background which is the stock change scene you know no matter where he is you know he could be in like fucking you know the middle of antarctica 75 degrees below zero weather or whatever and you're like wait where'd the igloo go three two one change you know and then he's he's kakaida or whatever i guess another character we haven't gotten to yet is masaru who is Dr. Komoji's other son, and he's the young son, so, you know, he's he's basically Mitsuko's younger brother, and kind of looks up to Jiro like a big brother, or what have you, but he's, you know, in this episode, I mean, it, it seems like, I guess, Mitsuko and Dr. Komoji were either kidnapped, or, you know, forced to, you know, work at that secret base, so they were away from home, but from Mitsuru's perspective, it looks like he's kind of like the good Gohan kid where he's, you know, young and at home and studying diligently or whatever, but kind of like, you know, dutifully waiting for his, you know, his, his, his big sis and, and his dad to come home eventually. And I guess, you know, since all this chaos has erupted, I guess Dark's plan is, well, we'll kidnap the little kid and that'll draw these, these other family members out of hiding and so another trope that'll p- appear 
quite frequently later on in the series is Dr. Komoji supposedly shows up to Matsuro's house, and it's like, oh, hey, Dad, what's up? And then he's like, wait a minute, you smell stinky, you smell like rhino poop, you know, and it's like, what's going on? And he, he morphs into the Grey Rhino King and sort of kidnaps the kid. And then I guess we come to that bridge that Justin was talking about. See, now this bridge, because I guess they kidnap him and take him on this bridge to draw out the other family members, and Kakaida comes out to save him. When when I saw that bridge, I was kind of like, I swear I've seen this fucking bridge on Spider-Man, you know, the, the, the Japanese Toei series. So I was like, I wonder if it's the same location, or they just have a lot of bridges like that in Japan that it just instantly evokes familiarity but you know there were there were no sort of factoids on that bridge as as part of some you know special location or you know novel location in japan i like how they just tie up the kid and just basically dangle him off the middle of the bridge he's just kind of like hanging out there in the middle of the air yeah it's weird because i i get the vibe like you know just like how like you know they're kind of flippant with the whole you know, dialogue, whether it's death or people getting tortured or, or whatever. And it's, you know, this is, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is a children's program. Like, but, the, you know, it doesn't seem to be, you know, too concerned with fires and people getting mutilated and all that other kind of stuff. Or, you know, children dangling vicariously in the air or whatever. But, but on top of that, like, this is not like, in the era of CG, where you can just, you know, CG a little kid hanging from a bridge or whatever. So, like, there's that aspect to it, too, where, like, sometimes you'll look at some of the stunt fighting, and actually, quite a few times, you know, I've had my suspension of disbelief shattered because I'll be watching those dark destructoids, and they'll be fighting with Kikaida, and all of a sudden I'll be like, man, that guy really took a fucking pitfall <laughs> off that bridge into a fucking, you know, like, a pile of dirt. Like, that's like 10 feet below him. And I'm just kind of like, man, I hope that, you know, I'm like, I know he's supposed to be like a dark destructoid, but all I could think of is like, you know, salary man Mifune, who is, is, is like some stunt man that fucking got his nads shattered because the, the other stunt man just fucking threw him off the fucking bridge. And I was like, wow, man, like, I hope that dude's okay. Yeah. So there's definitely like some aspects of that, you know, in terms of, you know, the fight sequences and everything. You know, one thing that does carry over from the manga or the anime in the fight sequences is, I guess, Grey Rhino King's uh, special attack, which is his spinning drill move or whatever. <laughs> it, so, it doesn't you know, drill just, or twist so much in the live action, though. It just kind of like, right, it's just a weird effect where it just kind of like, you can tell it's like pops up and it's not really his head and it. It kind of spins around, but then it's like, you see him charge and it's like, completely stationary right right yeah so i mean obviously yeah it's it's a little different in the in the anime because they can you know they they have that more freedom to be you know they, they to be more extravagant i guess you know where the the spinning horn is coming at kaida and he can just like hold it with one hand and look all badass and everything whereas you know in this it's it's incumbent on the you know, the stunt choreography, and obviously it's some tubby Japanese dude in a rhino costume, you know, running around, you know, like a bull, you know, in a in a china shop, I guess, and, and Kakaida's, you know, toroing him, you know, like a matador or what have you. And then, and then uh, you know, to finish him off, Kakaida obviously uses his, his 
special finishing move, which I guess, you know, if you're familiar with, with Japanese culture and television shows and, and fantasy and stuff, usually there's some super awesome move. In, in this case, I guess it's named The End. You know, so it's like, you know, it's it's the end when Kakaider kind of crosses his arms. And, you know, I, I think in the anime, he says something to the effect of electrified end. But, you know, I, either version of it, uh, you know, that that's usually pretty fatal for whoever is in its path. And and then you kind of get that that kind of stock footage, or what will become stock footage. There'll be the the destructoid who gets thrown off a a large mountain, and then they'll cut to this kind of, you know, eventually it becomes stock footage where it's just all these android parts. Like you know, it looks like you know, like a watch has been busted open at the bottom of a mountain or something, because you see all these dials and turntables and switches and just, you know, springs or what have you that, you know, conceivably were used in the construction of these destructoid androids and everything. So are there any uh, final thoughts you have on this episode, Justin? Um, it's a, uh, as far as like first episodes go, it- a lot of time I feel whether it's like a new common writer series or Sentai or Metal Hero, like I feel like the first episode is like difficult to get into because well for one thing it's like you're being thrown into this world and you've got all these, you know, terms and definitions and you got like, okay, this guy's the good guy, this is the comic sidekick, this is a bad guy, this is like the mini boss and okay, this is a special attack and it's a lot to take in at first, so some shows do a good job of like keeping it simple. And I think this first episode of Kakaida was a really good episode of, like, keeping it simple. You know, it's like, you know, obviously, Grey Rhino King's the bad guy. Jiro shows up, and, you know, like I said, they don't wait till like, the last five or ten minutes for him to transform. Like, you know, he he may play his guitar for a little bit, but then, like, he's onto it. He, like, he transforms. He's taking on the bad guys. So you're kind of, like, slowly introduced to, like, you know, Dr. Komyoji and Mitsuko and all these guys. So it's it's really easy to, to keep track of them. And, like, I guess I should say, like, I've not seen beyond the first five episodes, I guess. So, like, as far as I know, there's, like, there's not a very big reoccurring cast with Kakaider to begin with. So that, like, kind of like, keeps it simple as well, I guess. But I thought yeah, this was yeah. a really good first episode. And it's, like, you know... If, we, you talked about this briefly, but as far as the special effects go, like I, I like it too. Like I appreciate it. Like it, it's like you know, you may not think it's as you know flashy and vibrant as a modern day like special effects show from Japan or something, but like it, it has that charm. It's like if you can appreciate like I don't know anything from like old Universal monster movies to Godzilla to like you know anything from the 70s era like special effects like I think you would enjoy Kikider like especially if you ever watched the uh, anime on Adult Swim from like you know 10 years ago or whatever yeah I think that's definitely an attraction to this show I mean I I remember the first time I realized there was a live action Kikider I I was kind of like no shit there's a there's a live action version of this. I was like, wow, you know, and I, I was kind of impressed. And that led me to get that first DVD, which I think I got like from, um, uh, what was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was, 
uh, I can't think of the record store, but but basically like it's this big record store that's like in Berkeley and L.A. and all these other places, and it was like nine ninety nine, and so I was like, well, hey, I'll, you know, for nine ninety nine, I'll I'll check that out, you know, like why not, you know, and I I think that's eventually the, the DVD I sent you, right, like yeah. the, that first one, so so yeah, like and and so you know I ended up getting like the whole. You know, I think it was like a set on their Generation Kakaida website or whatever, where they, you know, for a package deal, you get like the all nine DVDs. But this is, you know, the the series. It's a forty three episodes in total. But yeah, I mean, I was definitely fascinated. You know, I, you know me, I like the whole my my whole thing is the history of comics on film type thing, and I'm always fascinated by how they translate, you know comic, manga, whatever, what have you, properties into live action and, and how that pans out. I mean, there's, you know, there's some clear similarities. There's some, some clear differences. But, I mean, I think they're also fitting it into that tokusatsu genre as well, you know. So you've got the whole, you know, the, the foot soldier guys, which you don't see a whole hell of a lot of in the manga. You know, it's like, but you need your, you know, your putties or, or whatever, you know, whatever you need. You need your... Your your troops, you know that that your your Toku guy can you know smack around for you know two or three minutes before he fights the the big monster of the episode and everything. So I mean, all all that stuff definitely I found found very very interesting. So, but yeah, I mean, I I, I hope everyone's enjoyed you know listening to this inaugural episode of Toku Thursdays. The next time you know you listen, we'll we'll talk a bit about the second episode and you know maybe any comparisons we can make with the anime or the manga if those should come up and also you know like i said we're, we're kind of trying to branch out into all these various uh, spin-off type fan holes podcast shows so you know who knows maybe the next time you hear this it, it will be a sentai saturdays or maybe even a mobile suit mondays those are those are some of the plans that have been in the works for a little while so you know we we hope you enjoyed this and if you if you have and you want to hear more you know obviously please let us know you can send us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com or obviously you know you can comment on you know either the blog spot or the facebook or you know twitter or what have you and let us know what you thought of this episode but until then this is going to be derek derek wc this is Justin Grimlock. Switch on! movie with Mitsuko was like in 74 so oh okay so it wasn't that far after yeah. Yeah. but I swear like I don't remember I don't even remember a female, remember a female, lead, uh, female lead character but I should I could probably rewatch that